Welcome to the Woven Roots Fiber Podcast. Woven Roots, the Appalachian Fiber Story Project, is an initiative of the Community Farm Alliance to tell the story of how fiber farming, arts, and entrepreneurship in Appalachian, Kentucky can contribute to a bright future in the mountains. I'm your host, Sam Hamlin. We're looking forward to bringing you stories from farmers, producers, artisans, and others who are building our region's fiber sector to benefit our people and our planet. In this episode, we hear from Tracy Pratt-Savage, Economic Development Director in Carlisle, Nicholas County, Kentucky. Tracy talks about the history of textile manufacturing in Carlisle and surrounding small towns in the Bluegrass region, the devastating impact of textile plant closures in the early 2000s, and how small towns like Carlisle are revitalizing their economies through innovative textile work and much more. Thanks for listening in to the Woven Roots Fiber Podcast, your place for Appalachian fiber stories. Nestled in the rolling hills of Kentucky's bluegrass region, the town of Carlisle is home to around 7,000 people. Carlisle used to be the home of a huge Jockey International manufacturing plant. Jockey, a textile manufacturer and distributor of underwear and sleepwear for men, women, and children, employed approximately 500 people in the town of Carlisle before it shut its doors in 2004 and moved its operations to Mexico. Jockey's closing had devastating impacts on the once bustling town as young people began to leave in search for work elsewhere and high-wage jobs nearly disappeared. However, the economy of Carlisle is currently growing with a movement towards regional economic development and textile revitalization. In early autumn, I sat down with Tracy Pratt-Savage, Economic Development Director in Carlisle, Nicholas County, and also member of Carlisle's Chamber of Commerce, to talk about what folks are doing to revitalize textiles in the area through innovative production that taps into high-end and niche markets. In addition, Tracy shares on a partnership with the Maysville Technical and Community College to develop a sewing certificate program to assist young people in developing the skills needed to work in textile manufacturing. Finally, I learned about an approach to economic development that Tracy calls rural regionalism and how she envisions rural counties working together to expand opportunities for collaboration, investment, and building regional wealth. I am Tracy Pratt Savage, and I am Economic Development Director in Carlisle, Nicholas County. That's my paid job, but I am also President of the Chamber of Commerce here, and that is an unpaid job. Our chamber is, being a small community, all volunteer, except for our one administrator, and he, we hire for 15 hours a week. So he helps coordinate our co-op program, so we have students involved that help get a lot of things done and make sure we get notices out on meetings and help keep kind of everybody on track, in line, etc. Can you talk a little bit about what is Carlisle like for listeners who may not be familiar? Sure. Um, Carlisle, Nicholas County. Boy, we were really, really big in tobacco. It's a huge agricultural community. And we still have a number of farmers that will grow tobacco yet today. It's a big cash crop still. So Kentucky, I think as a whole, is looking at what can we do to maybe bring back enough money in crops that can bring back that standard of living for a lot of farmers. A lot of our farmers here work nine to five, and then it's kind of a hobby to do after or on weekends. But they run farms, got a lot of cattle and other crops too. 
that they're raising. When it comes to the industry, we were really a textile hub. Jockey International was here for decades and finally closed out the very last person left, shut the door in 2004. At one point, we had 500 people here. This was kind of the headquarters. So we had the jockey plant where they sewed and we had the second building which handled yarn and underwear type things. So with those 500 people, a lot of the wives would work there and have the benefits and husbands would work the farm full time. So it worked out great and cost of living out here is very low and so you could live a really nice life. But as you can imagine, losing those 500 jobs was a big blow. But they also had jockey plants, I believe, in Maysville, Flemingsburg, and a couple of other places that had two or 300 people. So when jockey pulled out and went to Mexico, that was a big blow for us. Um, our biggest jockey plant, Save-A-Lot bought, was going to put in a big grocery store there. But timing was such that the competitive grocery store family-owned downtown decided to sell when they were coming in. So they bought that grocery store too. And now they're just storing equipment out at the former jockey plant. And unfortunately, not being used, the building's kind of going downhill, but they're using it to store the equipment. It's theirs, they own it, so they're a good neighbor in that respect. But it's not a lot of jobs if you're just storing equipment. But where the textile plant was, we now have Three Star Industries. And Ricky Hicks is the main owner there. And he had worked in textile back in those early 2000s. So he's a hometown guy who came back and is helping bring textile back here. What kind of impact did the plant closures have on the community here in Carlisle? It's kind of like the coal industry, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That became obsolete. And in this case, in losing those 500 jobs, there online is a YouTube series that shows Carlisle in the 60s and a nice high-end men's store, next to another men's store, next to the women's store, next to a hardware, and an auto parts, and another grocery, and another drug. It was bustling. You couldn't find a parking place. You'd have to walk five blocks. So this was all full, all bustling, all huge. So we were a big, thriving, happy community. When those jobs left, when Jockey left, then there wasn't enough business or money to necessarily support the downtown. So we had some that stayed. We do still have two drugstores, but the laundromat closed, went out of business. We no longer have a chiropractor. We've got a couple of doctors associated with neighboring hospitals, but we had a hospital until three years ago, and that went under. They had just 10 beds. It just wasn't economically feasible to keep it going. So it's hit hard. And a lot of people that did stay will drive to Lexington or Paris, Cynthia, Maysville, Mount Sterling. So it's a lot of taillights out of town in the morning these days. Some of the folks who stayed, because we've got these beautiful big old houses and the history of downtown, where you'll see the buildings, you know, 1890s built, 1903 built, were never torn down. And now they're being brought back, but it gives us a very unique kind of glimpse of that time period. It's very beautiful. But people who were at that age where they could retire stayed, but the kids had to move to find jobs. So now as they're aging out, maybe going to nursing homes or moving to Florida or assisted living or whatever it is, now we've got housing stock that's turning over. And beautiful, beautiful. The C.C. Cole building at the end of the street was was one of the high-end men's stores. And Mr. Cole built 11-bedroom house here. 
And we have a family from Texas that found it on Zillow and moved in and is restoring it. The housing prices here versus a Lexington, you could get something here for 200000 that you'd pay six, seven, seven hundred fifty thousand for. So cost of living in the county is very low. So we're seeing folks move in. Our schools are reporting that we've got new kids, new families, you know, four or five. And the brand new elementary school is a big help too. It's almost done. It was a $10 million project. So we've got a brand new elementary school, state of the art. So we're getting some help, which is going to be great. And then we've got a lot of folks really working hard to bring back downtown. And we've got some little shops coming back in. And so it's nice to see. How do you see the role of textile in the textile sector in helping to revitalize Carlisle's economy? Well, because we've got the history of the textile, and we've got someone who's a leader in that area. Ricky Hicks first started out doing the cloth covers for all-terrain vehicles. And then he'd have the windshield, right? Plastic windshield as well. So he does that for every model out there. So started maybe 10, 15 jobs coming in. They had the patterns you'd have to cut out and then sew all those with commercial machines. So he was then contacted by Liz and Rue out of Louisville that wanted to bring textile back here. They're headquartered in Kentucky. Was there a Kentucky manufacturing site? So I think working with the Innovation Network, they were able to link him up with them. And now he's doing sewing for their high-end baby bumpers, sheets, etc. that they sell to Bye Bye Baby. Then they linked up with Henry Dry Goods, which does the bags, the monogram type bags. Are you familiar with them at all? Yes. yes okay, yes. really nice, real high end. So he's now doing sewing for them as well. So that's added more jobs. And I think we're up to almost close to 50 jobs now with those three. Another friend of his and someone else who was also with like Bluegrass Industries, I think was another subsidiary or higher up the food chain in the textile area. So Dan Short now has a company that he's starting that is Layer One. And you're familiar with bed bugs. You know what those are. We all know what those are. (laughs) They've come up with a patented process to treat material and yarn that they can turn into a sleep sack if you go to a hotel and a cover for mattresses that will kill the bed bugs. Or there's some convoluted way of saying that it'll kill the bed bugs without saying it'll kill the bed bugs, like do great bodily harm or something. But it does get rid of any anthropod. So it could be ticks, mites, as well as the bed bugs. So you can think of the application that colleges are interested, hotels are interested, military is interested, so many places that have bed bug problems that this is going to be huge. And there will be other products that they can develop. Because you can, you know, you could do socks. Can you imagine? No ticks. Ticks are awful. Anthropods. So that's going to add more jobs still. And they're looking at doing a Kickstarter program and expanding into not only the sewing, but then take orders online and that kind of processing. So that textile, if we're going from, you know, the biggest manufacturer that earlier this summer had 32, now going to 47, and then maybe doubling, and depending on how big that bed bug thing gets, it could grow beyond that. We have so much assurance that it's going to do well that we're partnering with Maysville Community and Technical College. They are going to develop a commercial sewing class or certification for us. We are working on a regional basis now 
We've got the group called Licking Valley Adventures that's promoting adventure tourism because we have all the beauty here and the horseback riding and the Licking River and you can hunt and you can fish. We've got Clay Wildlife Management Area, two tracts of land right here. So much we can offer that have not been well marketed and people don't realize all that we have to offer. But there's also an economic development aspect of that. So by all of us working together, if you go to Cynthiana, which is 25 minutes away, Bullard World Headquarters is there and they make fire equipment. Well, part of the mass that they do requires commercial sewing. And there's a commercial sewing need in Maysville and one in Paris. So if we can work with MCTC and then start training folks to use the actual machines that they're using, it's going to help, you know, they like anybody else are saying, I'm having trouble finding enough people. So this fit into our overall work ready status. We worked very hard to get work ready certification, our little county, and took it very seriously because our employers are not in Nicholas County. We have more than 32 people. <laughs> so if we've got 32 at three star and our other employers may have two, three, five, eight, no one real big though, outside of the school, of course. If we can work together and talk to other employers because we're so strategically located, mm. being only a half an hour, that's not a bad commute to Maysville, Mount Sterling, Flemingsburg, Paris, Cynthiana, then great, those are our employers. Even though they're across a county line, we see the county line as connecting us, not dividing us. So we can maybe on a regional basis bring textile back in a bigger and a bigger way. It's fascinating. I was just listening to a podcast on rural manufacturing this morning and down in Western North Carolina, they were talking about how they have developed some of the infrastructure to reshore textiles, but they don't necessarily have the trained workforce mm-hmm. to be able to come in and take those jobs, even though the jobs are available. Mm-hmm. So it's fascinating to hear that you're, what you spoke to about the, is it a sewing track at Maysville Community Yes, College? we're developing it with them as we speak. So they so it would be new. This would be brand new. We said we have to make sure that we are turning out the employees that our employers need. And, you know, Ricky's been able to find folks and grow slowly. But if we can help fill that funnel, what we want is people love it here. People want to stay here. The cost of living is low, great prices on housing, excellent school, strategically located. So they want to stay, but they need jobs in order to stay. So if we can help develop that career track, then from here and folks coming here, we can feed then Paris, Maysville, Flemingsburg, wherever they're sewing needed, and Carlisle. But we're kind of the center of the hub with everybody being half an hour. So easy for them to get here for that sewing program. So we could do like a satellite set up here where people in the area, because then they're going to want to go to all these jobs within this area. So we went to MCTC, and they were very open to the idea of developing this. So we're partnering with them to get this put together. And Lenora Kinney there has been researching There is a textile course in Michigan. Right now, we may be able to model after. So they do a lot of training. People are unaware. They think of it as just community college, but they will put together programs. So that's exactly what we're looking at doing here. They're setting up our CNA class as well. So they will have a teacher come in for the nursing track as well. So it gives us another career path. If we've got the employees too, it's going to make it easier for people to come. 
Do you hope that that will help also make it so that young people have an option to stay here? Very much so. What you're looking at with Work Ready, the reality is what I'm hearing again and again, working with the Bluegrass Area Development District, I'm in the workforce board there, is that our folks, and for my kids too, everybody was told you've got to go to college or you're nothing, you're going to be nothing, and you, you're not going to be able to make a good living. So now we have a lot of kids with college debt that can't find jobs. There are many that are finding jobs, but there are a lot that aren't. And we were really downplaying because, remember, as we saw 2000s, 90s, 80s, manufacturing was all leaving, and it was dirty, and it was terrible conditions, and all that's changed. Now it's robotics, floor so clean, you can eat off of it. So what we're looking at is there have to be different tracks. We have about a third of our kids that just want to go to work. Either they don't have the money, or it's like, I'm sick of school, I just want to get a good job. And they might be on the job training or things of that nature. You've got those that want to go into the vocational fields. We need electricians. We need welders, a ton of them as a matter of fact. So helping develop that track and training for them. And then you've got the kids that want to go to Moorhead, University of Kentucky, Northern Kentucky, whatever, where they want to go. So we still have that college track too. But it's very important that not only do you have these tracks, but our kids would like to stay here. And there are some that are moving back because family is an important aspect of Kentucky and it's nice living near mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and you've got support on so many levels, right? We fill the stands for our football games with aunts and uncles and grandmas and family and so it'd be nice if we could help develop more jobs to allow people to stay here. One other question I had was, you're talking about the development of cut and sew operations, right? Like where More of a custom sewing is, custom what, sewing. is what Ricky Hicks has set his course on, so we're mm-hmm. helping support where he's going with that. And then it's like, you know, we've talked with Lynette Freitag, who has felt loom, and she's toyed with the idea of potentially moving here as well. She's right across the border, so it's kind of an extension of Nicholas County. What she's doing and the vision of being able to have a felt loom in a community center where folks can come in and recycle materials or bring in your wool or your llama hair or whatever it happens to be to turn out really high-end, beautiful material. And with the fashion show she's got, I know from last year, oh, beautiful things that they make. That could also help bring textile back and the sewing, etc. Some of what I've been exploring is the connection between farming and where our textiles actually come from at the root and plant and animal fibers and how we might rebuild or strengthen the textile ecosystem in the state from the farm to the mill Mm -hmm. to the manufacturing center and rebuild a robust sector Mm -hmm. where things are grown and made here in Kentucky. So it's fascinating to hear about the different levels of textile production that's happening in and around Carlisle and mm-hmm. Nicholas County. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we still have a lot of people who do so. One of the little pop-up museums that we have in town celebrating our history, besides the jockey plant, is that some of the ladies would take the scraps home and make quilts. So we have a quilt museum, too. And we've got a little shop, the Polka Dot Elephant, that teaches quilting. She makes quilts you can buy, and she's got kind of a quilt history, which is what we transferred over to the museum during the slave times 
you would hang a quilt up and it would have arrows on it that go different ways. And they'd have one that was red. So A, if you turned that side of the quilt out and put it up to dry, it would point the safe route for slaves that were moving north. So it's interesting all the things that tie in. My final question is, what are your dreams for the future of Nichols County, Carlisle? I think playing off the textile, if we have the chance to, again, not only draw other custom sewing that Ricky can do. So if we can provide the workers, he can continue to grow that. But the bed bug aspect of it, because that's not a Kentucky problem or a U.S. problem, it's a worldwide problem. And solving that and being able to end the bed bug infestation at a home or a dorm room or in the military, etc., could be super huge. So, I mean, that could really blow up and get us back to a 500 or more employee situation, which would be great. But it may not be all here. If we're looking on a regional basis, if there are affordable buildings available that work out great for him, you know, we've only got one sewing plant. We would either have to build, which we could look at doing, but there might be existing buildings that are in Flemingsburg or Cynthiana or whatever. So again, on that regional basis, and be able to draw enough workers to. I'm really seeing us as leaders in what I'm looking at is rural regionalism. The only way we're going to really be able to make it is work on a regional basis. If we do that, we can get more grants, state and federal. So if we can again look at our borders as connectors, not dividers, and work together, we've got our pop-up museums, but what if we had all the other little towns do the same thing? So now when you came out, it's not just a day to come down and you're done. Visit Lake Carnico and go fishing or go see Daniel Boone's home or go to Forest Retreat, the Governor's Mansion, and Blue Licks Resort State Park. But just over the border in Flemingsburg, you've got the Covered Bridge Tour. And there are great museums and shops and art galleries in Maysville. And what about the Walking Dead Tour in Cynthiana? The Walking Dead from the TV series? Mm-hmm. The creators are from Cynthiana. They came home for a weekend, and they had a festival, and 25,000 people showed up. So if we, on a regional basis, can offer, and then have our different festivals, we're going to see people look at the beauty of that small-town appeal, being so close to not only bigger cities that they could work in, should they wish, but then if we can make our downtown, our little downtowns that are so cute, viable, do so much more with a Kickstarter campaigns or Etsy or selling online, we could fill up our little downtowns and make them beautiful places to come visit and see the horses and the bourbon and the stone fences, etc. So if we can create and promote ourselves on a regional basis, together we can do that. Individually, our little town wouldn't have the money to do that. That's my dream. It's my vision. But it's a shared vision, and it comes from just talking to a lot of folks and working on a regional basis, both on a tourism level and a chamber level, and then working with Bluegrass Area Development District, which is our ad, our 17 counties, and then having helped form that Licking Valley Adventures, it was to say, hey, there's a lot of money in tourism, the people that want to come and stay and visit. And if we can get them to visit, then they might want to stay. Yes. If we can pull it together, that would be great, because otherwise all these little towns are all dying. We need a solution. And as we found, too, with our Workforce Investment Board, 
which we worked on for our work-ready application, and we formed a board for that. But we said, as part of that, to meet the needs of these employers, to do what they say we're supposed to be able to do, we need to really take it seriously and see what our employers need. So we need to train the kind of employees that we need. So by working regionally and doing it, that's going to be, A, the best way to do it. But also, if you think about it, if I'm retired and I don't have kids in school, I don't care a lot about school unless I got grandkids there. And the young families care a lot about the schools. And the kids who are in school see it from a whole different perspective. So we decided to do a 5, 10, 15-year plan out of our work-ready application group. And we first started with the work-ready application team who said we want to save the courthouse. We know we have to address zoning. We know that we have to talk about a 20% fund so we can go after grants. That's all important to the whole community. But the 20s and 30s said we need more playgrounds. And we want a fenced dog park. And we want an after-school space for the kids. And then we talk to the kids who say, well, we like the after-school thing, but we'd like to have some more uh, work activity or opportunity for summer jobs. We'd like this, that, and the other thing. So instead of combining those three groups, we've decided to keep them separate. Because each, if they're passionate about it, we're not going to government to say, give us money. They're putting on fundraising events and doing what we need to make their three top priorities come true. So we've got a fundraiser movie coming up to raise money for playground equipment at our jockey park. Mm. And we've approached economic development, and we had three acres donated for a fenced dog park. So now we're going to raise the money for the building supplies we need. But as they accomplish these things, and they buy in, and they are the ones making it happen, now we're getting everybody being more community-oriented, working together, and yet everybody can work on what they're passionate about. You know, our kids wouldn't have a voice and could be outvoted at the high school, college level, but when they have their own group and they're deciding, we're really empowering everybody. It's, it's the same way working with Bluegrass Area Development District. You've got Lexington, which is doing fantastic things. We all love being near it, visit, take part of, but their priorities are completely different than those other little counties around. So that's why we formed Licking Valley Adventures, where the things we had in common were that we had small little downtowns, cute little downtowns, historic little downtowns, rolling hills, historic homes, all these neat things you could do that collectively we could promote. And really an underdeveloped Licking River. There aren't that many places that you can get in and canoe and kayak. There's really a huge upside on that. And the adventure tourism is getting really hot. People want to come bike and hike and bird hunt and fish and canoe and kayak, etc. So if together we can promote that, that'll be good. And that's completely different than what Lexington's doing. Yes. So it's similar to giving each group its own voice. That's so exciting. It sounds like there is a lot moving to grow the economy here. A lot of different pieces. Yeah, it's going to be slow and it's going to be small little baby steps. But where are we seeing it? We had one family that started really cleaning up, fixing up the outside of the buildings and stopping roof leaks, etc. so they're not going to deteriorate. And as they did another and another, then the other people that own buildings went, oh my, that looks nice. So then they started fixing up. Then people saw what was going on, and we got the pop-up museums. Now they're coming in and they're buying those buildings. So they're going to fix up and open little shops. So slowly, the outdoor concerts 
that we did free that the chamber sponsored were to big people downtown. We've got two big festivals a year, but adding more experiences that you can get out and see your neighbor and see everything that's going on kind of re-energizes and has changed the mindset to, wow, we do have a lot going on. There's some neat things happening here. You know, what can we do to be part? Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. Do you have anything to add that I didn't ask? We are kind of the guinea pig in this area. So we'll see what we can do with Licking Valley Adventures. We're working together now on the economic development front. We have available sites and building sites and all sorts of things that a site selector would want to try to bring more jobs into, but that's on state book, which is where a site selector would go to search and query for a certain type building, you know, near an interstate, which we offer, near rail, which we offer, near whatever, because we're banding together with those nine counties will show up in the query if you're looking for a workforce of 100,000. But Little Nicholas County only has 7,000. Not many people are saying, oh yeah, give me 7,000 or above. It's just not one of those normal levels you would choose. So we'll see what we can do. And if that works, maybe it'll spread. up this episode of Woven Roots. For more information on Carlisle's history and current endeavors, visit the Nicholas County Economic Development Authority at nicholascounty.ky.gov. Keep a lookout for our special final episode on hide tanning, flax production and processing, and weaving arts at Cedar Creek Farm just outside of Somerset, Kentucky. And make sure to follow updates on Woven Roots and the Community Farm Alliance on our website, www.cfaky.org. Thanks for listening, and see you next time on Woven Roots, your place for Appalachian fiber stories. Mm-hmm.